around five or six months ago, similar to everyone else, we did this thing called preseason predictions, where we talked about how we thought the season was going to go. Some of our predictions have turned into acts of Nostradamus. Others have validated why we should never set foot into an L.A. or a Las Vegas casino. We're going to dissect what we got right and wrong about our season predictions in episode 316 of the Lace Mop Podcast, which starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Before uh, we nitpick at our predictions, uh, Brett, uh, we do have uh, some rapid-fire items, and uh, we're going to start off... uh, Are we going to start off with the um, downright sad news, or are we going to talk about uh, the NCAA prospects that are starting their NHL career? Uh, Yeah, I think we're going to start off with the downright sad news, unfortunately. Yeah, get that out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, uh, Mike Bossy... Uh, legend of the game. He was a part of the, he was like pretty much the ringleader of the, those 80s Islanders team. Um, he uh, passed away, unfortunately. Um, and uh, I think he had like, um, I think it was cancer uh, was the big lung one. cancer. Lung yeah. cancer, yeah. Um, yeah, he was, um, yeah, he was just insane. Um, especially because he was in, um, you know, he was he played in an era where goal scoring was, um, like you know, just like second nature to everyone. Um, but like even still, like there was no like just from what I've heard or all the stories, like there was no greater goal scorer than Mike Bossy. Um, uh, he ended up being or currently he's number twenty two on all time in goals. Um. There's also this crazy stat that I saw that Mike Bossy averaged averaged 60 goal goals, 62 goals per 82 games throughout his career. Um, so if you think about that, like Austin Matthews um, is at like 65 right now, <laughs> or is might be at 65 right now. So, um, so yeah, you put that like all all throughout he. Uh, played uh, 10 years, and he had, uh, I guess, 573 um, goals in 752 games um, and 1,126 points. Um, he made it to the All-Star game. Um, he was an All-Star, uh, I think, all his every, every year. Um, is that right? Eight-time All-Star. Uh, four cup, a four-time cup winner, three-time Lady Bing winner. He won the Calder Cup his rookie year, and he also won the Conn Smythe Trophy um, in 1981-1982. So uh, he was uh, definitely one of a kind. It's also very fitting because on the day that he died, uh, the New York Islanders played <clears throat> the Montreal Canadiens. Um, uh, New York Islanders, of course, was his team that he played all 10 years for. Uh, but he was also, uh, he grew up in Montreal. So it was just very fitting that my, like Mike Bossy's two big teams 
um, played each other on the day that he died. It's like a, it's a, one of the weirder coincidences when you think about it. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, you know it, it's always sad when legends uh, die, but. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I, I didn't know like all that, like I knew he was really good, but I didn't know he was that good. Um, so I, um, I think, uh, yeah, the hockey world will miss this guy and, um, I don't think we'll ever see anyone like him again. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like he's one of those players in the 1980s that were overshadowed by the likes of Wayne Gretzky and Mario right. Lemieux. Cause like everyone wouldn't stop talking about those two guys in particular. And, and like you said, Brett, I don't think we really got to appreciate how good Mike Bossy was just looking at some of his goal totals, 53 goals in 73 games as a rookie, 25 goals and 40 points on the power play. Um, if you can believe it, Brett, his lowest shooting percentage was 16.81%. His final year in the NHL when he got 38 goals, 75 points, and 63 games. That was 86-87. Every single season before that, his shooting percentage was at least 20. Like, <laughs> to, to, to even see a player get a consistently 20% shooting percentage in every single season like that is ridiculous and yep. prob probably never going to happen again as a second year player was 24.7 for crying out loud and it was for the rest of it 20 21 22 percent around that range uh like you said brett says an average of 62 goals over 82 games on average 69 his second year 68 his fourth year 64 in his fifth 60 in his sixth year uh, 61 in his second to last season. And even when he didn't get to 60 goals, he was still in the high fifties for the most part. And this is the key part that I remember about Mike bossy, actually two key things I remember about Mike bossy. The first one was Wayne Gretzky and the time that he hit 50 goals in less than 40 games, 50 and 37 prior to that what people were talking about was 50 goals in 50 games by Mike Bossy. Like the fact that someone hit new territory before the great one did right. and, and re and redefined the era of goal scoring post Maurice Richard before Gretzky did basically tells you all you need to know about Mike Bossy. So that's the first thing. Um, and uh, his lowest point totals were 91 his first year, 92 his uh, third year, and 75 in his final year. He hit the century mark every other uh, in every other of the years that he played. Um, the last thing I will mention about Mike Bossy is his performance in the playoffs. In 1979-80, so that was the first year the Islanders won the Stanley Cup, 23 points in 16 games, 10 of those were goals, 18.1 shooting percentage. The next year... 17 goals, 35 points in 18 games, 24.6 shooting percentage. The next year, 17 goals, 27 points, 19 games, 27.4 shooting percentage. 17 goals, 26 points in 19 games in 82-83. The final year of the Islanders dynasty, 21.7 shooting percentage. Most sports on this up, and he was a big reason for that. And this stat will always stick out to me about Mike Bossy. He had three career overtime game winners in the playoffs. 
You want to know how many he had in his career in the regular season, OT winners, Brett? Uh, how many? I'm not going to be able to guess that. <laughs> Mike Bossy had two. Wow. wow. He had more playoff OT game winners than regular season game winners. Yeah. And this dude in only 752 games got 573 Although, goals. I mean, although, I mean, I, I hate to be devil's advocate on that, that uh, but like, over playoff overtimes is like usually takes a lot longer than a regular season overtime and that was back in the days when ties were a thing too so it's like mm -hmm. i don't know if that's necessarily as impressive but of course it's still impressive whenever you get an ot as many OT yeah but all, all the fact that all of those goals um come over the course of your entire career. Right. Um, actually, actually, upon further review, a uh, miscalculation on my part, he <laughs> had four overtime winners in his career in the regular season. That's insane. Yep. Okay. But to, to, to make it, uh, to make that point even crazier, this, to add to that anecdote here, Brett, he had one OT winner in 84, 85, one OT winner in 85, 86, and two OT winners in 86, 87. Those were his final three seasons, which means before those four game winners in his final three years, he had zero OT winners in the regular season. Oh, wow. Yeah. In overtime. And he had three playoff OT winners before that. It's crazy. Like, it, it's crazy how a guy who scored that much didn't uh, didn't uh, get uh, as many game winners. Like, it, it, it's, it, it's not indicative of his play, but it's, it's just fascinating because usually in today's NHL, when you see the likes of Alex Ovechkin, you would expect, you know, him to have, what, at least 10 career OT winners for how long he's been in the league? Right. And for Bossy to be scoring as many goals for as long as he was and four OT winners in the regular season, that's all he has? Crazy. Uh, he was also um, <clears throat> impressive in the QMJHL. He played for the Laval National. Uh, apparently, he has the most points or the most goals um, not just in QMJHL history, but in CHL history, um, 30, 309 goals, which is insane. I was also just looking at his elite prospects because now I'm curious. Uh, he played in, um, he played in, uh, four, uh, years, um, in the QMJHL. So maybe that's how he, uh, uh, got that many, but get this, there was one year where in 1974-1975, where he had 84 goals in 67 games. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's insane. I can't even, like, imagine that. That's, like, more than a goal per game. Um, and and Laval yeah. is known for its QMJHL stars because yeah. uh, down the line, they would uh, play host to some guy named, I don't know, Mario Lemieux. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. That's, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, so Mike yeah. Bossy played in Laval. Yeah. In his QMJHL days, so did Mario. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, that that's insane too. It's like everyone should have known. And somehow he was a 15th overall in his draft year, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. When he had like that insane uh, QMJHL career. But um, anyways, uh, speaking of uh, juniors. Actually, we should probably do a moment of silence because we do that yeah, for all yeah, the legends, I, I right? I feel that is only fair. Okay. Okay. So, 
to uh, uh, we now have. Um, I, I guess it's it's still around the time when there are um, signings from college guys and and all that stuff. So um, so yeah, there's a few more. They all happen to have a B as their last name, and th- three of these four players um, went to Michigan. Uh, which it's just a funny thing that I didn't even realize that before. Um, I guess that, like, in the spirit of Mike Bossy, I guess, in a way. Uh, so we're just yeah. talking about a lot of guys who have B as their, their first, last name. Or the first, I guess, is it a last letter? I guess, last name letter? I don't know. Anyways, yeah. they all have B as their last name to start their, their last start name. Start their last surname, I believe that's what it's called. Surname, surname, surname yeah. right, right. Um... So, Matty Beneers uh, signed, I think, like, right after we finished recording. Uh, he signs with Seattle. It's an entry-level contract. And then he plays right away, uh, which just goes to show you how much they needed centers. Um, he's only played in two games so far. He does play tonight, though, so uh, we'll see. But he had, um, <laughs> he's averaging so far 17 minutes of ice time, which I guess just goes to show you how much... Um, Seattle really wants this guy to flourish right away. Um, and so far, it's, it's working. He has uh, one goal and one assist in those two games, so two points in two games. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy, too, because it, it kind of reminds me a little bit, like, of what Seagrass was doing, because, like, all of a sudden, like, you see him, like, like um, uh, kind of, like, tricking defenders and going past them with his speed. It, it's, like, exciting to watch. Um so he's he's definitely become you know how much I love Zegris, but I think Beniers uh, um, is looking a lot like a Zegris type player, um, and then um, and then uh, there's uh, Thomas Bordalo. He actually played last night. Uh, he also ended up getting an assist, which was exciting. Um, he only had he had 13 minutes of ice time though, but. I mean, I guess it's a little bit strange. I, I guess maybe I shouldn't even mention the ice times, but um, but yeah, apparently according to Victor, who I talked to, he says that Portillo looks he looked really good of what he saw, and um, so yeah, we'll we'll see that. Of course, it's only one game, but that's exciting. Um, and then uh, Bobby Brink also signed. I think we mentioned that when when he signed last week, but I did want to mention that he has two assists in four games. Um, and he's also, I guess, I'll mention the the times, uh, sixteen minutes of ice time. Um, Owen Power also uh, had his debut. I think he has, um, if I recall correctly, I think he has. Um, let me just look here. Yeah, he has one assist in four games, so it's still early, of course. But he also has twenty two minutes of ice time, so that he's already, um, you know, used very highly. I'm in Buffalo, so that that's good news for him. Um, and then, um, oh, and Johnny Beecher. I, I mean, I probably wouldn't have mentioned this if it wasn't if he wasn't on the Bruins, but he signed an ATO, which I guess means an amateur tryout, which means that he can play in Providence. Um, I don't know, don't think we'll see him in the uh, NHL this year, but um, I do know that the Bruins are. Desperate for centers, and Beecher is one of them. So, um, is a center. So maybe that will work. Um, I don't know if I told you this, but speaking of the Bruins, uh, the Bruins signed this guy named Georgie Merkulov, 
who's a Russian. He played for Ohio State, which is where Mason LaRye played, and he had 34 points in 36 games this past year. This isn't bad. And then, not only that, but he had an assist, um, or two assists in his first game. Uh, So he's looking pretty good. Um, So maybe that's just a guy that you watch out for. Um, And lastly, Ben Myers. uh, He signs, he was... uh, Denver, Minnesota's, our University of Minnesota's best player um, in terms of points. Uh, he had like, I, I don't have it on me, but he had a lot of points. But uh, he had his first goal. Um, he signs with Colorado. He was previously undrafted. Uh, so he signs with Colorado. And then like a day later, he uh, scores a goal for, for Colorado. So that's a guy to watch. I don't I think it's like past the point where w- we could see him in the playoffs. I think they have to like put him in the AHL if I remember correctly, but I'm not entirely sure because I I remember like something happened where Charlie McAvoy was able to play even though he signed after the trade deadline, but yeah, so I, I'm not really sure what the case is. So maybe we will see Ben Myers um, in the playoffs, but it's just something to look out for if if that does happen because uh, Ben Myers could. I mean, it's interesting because he could be a good depth role for this Colorado team. But yeah, so any, yeah. anything that, that on case what is I rich, rich get richer. Ben Myers going to I know, the ice, and it'll crazy. be interesting to see how they utilize him. Yeah, he um, he should be good. Um, I I'll look up his stats, but yeah, do you have any um, any thoughts on what I just mentioned? I mean, Patrick Bordalo. Um, he's, he's a good young prospect for the Sharks. The Sharks obviously need more to turn the ship around uh, and get back in the playoff picture moving forward. But uh, I, I definitely think he's going to be a key part of that youth movement. He has to be. Um, the, the Bruins and uh, the prospects that you mentioned, um, I, I think in order for Boston to uh, kind of slow down the hands of time, like you're going to be looking to some of those young guys to kind of keep them into contention there. And um, I think we're going to see in terms of uh, Ben Myers, I think we're going to start to see, I wouldn't say a crystal clear picture of what he could be, um, but a clear picture of where this team sees him next year when Colorado decides what the heck they're going to do with the likes of Burakovsky and, and Nazem Kadri with right. their expiring contracts. And if they can afford to keep them, and uh, if they're going to choose to keep him, considering that Nathan McKinnon's big boy contract is going to be down the road, um, <laughs> I mean, he's already getting paid a decent amount of money, but like that that's widely been considered a bargain for some time now. And there, there, there isn't going to be any of that 6.5 million stuff. McKinnon gets nine plus million easy. Um, so you're going to have to find uh, ways to, get the most out of your talent with the cap space available. And I think Ben Myers is going to be one of those guys that they're going to, to lean on moving forward. And I, I definitely think it couldn't hurt uh, to, to give Ben Myers a couple of chances uh, to crack the NHL yep. roster, just to see what he can do, where the, where the chemistry points might be so that when next year rolls around, you have a better idea of what might work and, uh, what you can put on the shelf for a little bit and uh, kind of let it simmer in practice a little bit. Um, but I definitely see Ben Myers in a couple of years being a key fixture of this offense. 
Yeah, so uh, just looking here um, on his Elite Prospects page, he had 41 points in 34 games, so that's not bad. Um, and then uh, he also played in the Olympics for Team USA, and he had uh, four points in four games. Uh, so yep. that's also not bad as well, um, especially when it's like tougher opponents uh, than uh, he had in college. So that's that's pretty good. Um, he's also 23 years old, which I guess is a little bit old for a college student, but uh, that's good for the NHL because you can just plug him in. Um, I guess we should also mention on that note uh, that uh, Dryden McKay, because Dryden McKay is also 23 years old, might actually be 24, um, but uh, there was something about, like, apparently he, um, there was, like, some substance that uh, he took, which was, like, vitamin D supplements, um, and that, uh, so the IOC and the U Team USA, uh, or the NCAA allowed him, but, like, he tested positive uh, for, like, some performance-enhancing thing for the Olympics. And it was only a minuscule amount, right? And it was only, it like, a small, very, very small amount. amount. Uh, this is according yeah. to him, so I don't really know, of course. But, um, but anyways, I guess the NCAA and the IOC allowed him to, or just to carry on and uh, finish his college season. But, uh, but now he has to... Uh, stop hockey or stop playing hockey for six months um which is what he's doing right now so that means so that's like so if you're wondering why uh he hasn't signed yet that is the reason why and i'm just curious to see like how he's going to perform because there were already question marks of how he's going to perform in the next level but like the fact that like you take six months out of it where he doesn't play hockey i'm just curious to see how he gets acclimated back in um and i'm wondering if that's gonna like ruin his development or um if he can just pick it up and and figure it out but um but yeah it's just it's rough news and you know you, you cheer on uh you have to cheer him on of course but um but yeah it's definitely a setback and um it's unfortunate Again, there are going to be a lot of teams with goaltending depth yep. issues like Edmonton, like Seattle, like yep. Arizona, I've mentioned in the past, that um, they, they they should take a flyer in this kid because mm -hmm. who else are you going to get? Right. Like, what, what do you got to lose by, by taking a chance on this guy? Even if he hasn't played hockey in six months, yep. the body of work that he's accumulated at Minnesota State speaks for itself. And how how anyone can say no to those numbers like even an amateur tryout it yeah. would be just absolutely asinine yeah like, i mean like get I, this guy on your team in some way shape or form i can understand i can understand him playing like maybe in the ahl for a year just to get him acclimated yeah. but um and see how he does but uh, yeah I, I would imagine a team will sign him and uh we can go from there but um, yeah, I would, I, there, there has to be goalies out there. Like Martin Jones is still in the NHL. <laughs> like how, uh, that, that, so there's definitely, um, there's definitely going to be a team that's going to sign him, but we're going to have to wait, I guess, six months, uh, to, in order to find that out. Um, yeah, and that'll give him a lot of time to, to think about his options too, I'm sure. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so now we go to the main topic here. Um, so this is actually the first time that we've ever done this uh, where we've been, because we usually make predictions at the start of the year. We also do the award shows um, predictions. 
but we never actually go back and revisit them um, until now. Uh, so we actually went back and found our predictions from from that episode uh, six months ago. Of course, uh, going back to, of course, uh, I guess Dryden McKay wants us to go six months from now. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's uh, it, it is kind of funny when you look back at this. It's like, oh right, I forgot that I like I had that. I didn't have that. So we'll go over each prediction for each uh, division. We have, like, who we think is going to make the playoffs. Um, do you ha- Actually, do you happen to have the exact date of when this episode w- aired? Uh, hmm, let me gonna, take a look at the archives here. I'm going to assume it's in October. It's fine. Yeah, at some point uh, in October, but I'll, yeah. I'll get to the Sorry. exact date here. Well, uh, while you look, I can start us off. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you you start us off and uh, and we'll yeah, go from find. there. I I would imagine it's later in October because the, the seasons start off yep. rather late. So, uh, so my top three in the... So we're going to start off with the Atlantic. Um and my top three was uh, Tampa, Florida, and Toronto. Um, so I got that right. Um, October 10th is the exact date. October, October 10th, 10th okay. 2021. Nice. All right. So it's April 18th. Uh, so yeah. Episode 289 if you want to check the archives yourself okay. at home. Cool. Um, although I don't think I, I write episode the episode. Yeah, no. Numbers, but... you, you don't label them. So <laughs> yeah. have fun with that. <laughs> yeah. I probably labeled it like predictions or something. Consider, uh, yeah. consider it a test for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, text, uh, tweet at us if you find it. Yeah, um, tweet us if you find it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, I picked uh, Tampa, Florida, and Toronto as my top three teams in the Atlantic. I, I think I, I nailed that uh, so far. Um, of course, I guess the Bruins could surpass Tampa. Um, they could also, sur- Boston could also surpass uh, Toronto at this point, but... Um, but I, it, that doesn't seem likely. Um, but um, I did. I, I I had Tampa first, Florida Toronto a second, and Toronto third. I got the order wrong. Um, so I, oh, and I should mention that all of the, like all eight teams in the Eastern Conference have been decided. Um, so um, the West it gets a little bit trickier. So we we do know the eight teams uh, for the Eastern Conference. And we kind of we kind of knew already for a long time already, but, uh, but it's good to know. Um, and, of course, now all these eight teams are just playing for seeding reasons. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so, in, uh, and Steve, like, actually went back and listened and wrote all these notes. So I'm just going to read what I said about... Uh, these three teams. I said that uh, Tampa Bay got rid of their third lines, and I was concerned about that, but I think they still have enough. So that's true. Uh, Florida will be good with Reinhardt in the mix. That's an understatement. Uh, Reinhardt is a more than a point-per-game player, which is which is nice to see. Uh, Sam Bennett effect. Um, he's kind of slowed down a little bit, but uh, he's been good lately. Uh, so so there's that. Um, or he he, he kind of slowed down, I guess, throughout the season, but he had a good early start. So I was kind of right that Sam Bennett was good. Um, and then I did say that Spencer Knight will take the load, um, and that isn't true. 
uh, Bobrovsky has uh, uh, has had played more games than Spencer Knight, although Spencer Knight has played in thirty games or started thirty, um, and Bobrovsky had but Bobrovsky has played forty nine games. So, um, so that's a uh, <laughs> uh, Spencer Knight didn't really take over. Um, and then I said that Toronto gets a top three spot because of their talent, and I was concerned about Boston. Um, and their gaping holes. Um, I did have Boston um, in the Eastern uh, as one of the wild card picks, so I also got that correct. Um, they saw, uh, I, I guess I was kind of, of course, I'm biased with my own team, but I was even further biased because I knew that Linus Olmark um, had a bad preseason, and I was concerned about that. Um, I still wasn't over David Krejci's loss, um, and I wasn't sure about Coyle and Seneca. Um, I'm still not sure about Seneca and, uh, but, uh, what ended up happening is this guy named Eric Halla took over. Uh, he's now the second line center for Boston. Um, and yeah, he's actually been pretty good and he's, he's helped out. Of course you need more center help, but, um, I can't hate Eric Halla and what he brings to the table. Uh, he has 39 points in 72 games. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he's on the second line with uh, Taylor Hall and David Pasternak. So that's something that I didn't expect at uh, that point because I had assumed that Pasternak and Marchand and Bergeron were going to be that top-line pair. Um, so I didn't expect that line to be broken up. Um, but, yeah, and, and as for Linus Ulmark, um, he did have a rough start at the beginning of the year, but uh, he, he's not doing so badly. Uh, nine twelve save percentage and a two point five two, uh, five seven uh, GAA uh, twenty three ten and two. Uh, that's pretty good. So um, not as uh, good as uh, Jeremy Swayman, but also like you know it's pretty close to what Jeremy Swayman's doing. So um, I think I I did pretty well in that prediction. But um, yeah, I, I I am still concerned about the center depth and the goaltending, but. Um, come to the playoffs, but I, I think it's, um, I think I did overall pretty good that I got all four teams at least. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, my, my scene was okay. Um, and while I expected Florida to be this good, I mean, yeah, <laughs> didn't expect their offense to be this electric and they fired Joel Quenville after a seven game win streak and they kept on winning like it was no big deal. Yep. Uh, so my predictions were Tampa, Florida, Boston in that order. Uh, I said basically outright Tampa will prevail in this pursuit until I see otherwise. And you know what? There are a lot of um, arguments that you can make that you can't sleep on Tampa in the playoffs. Like Stamkos is their leading scorer with 84 points. Victor Hedman is near a point per game and he's a defenseman. Uh, Braden Point isn't a point per game and he's also a minus three. But he's still Brayden Point, and he can turn it on in the playoffs. Alex Kalorn has uh, done pretty well, 55 points in 75 games. Anthony Sorelli has 41 points. Um, Andre Pallad has 40 points. Corey Perry with 17 goals and 36 points. Ross Colton has shown up with 17 goals and 33 points of his own. Like I said, the depth players for Tampa Bay, look at Nick Paul and what he's done since he came over from Ottawa. Nine points in 14 games. And hey, if Brandon Hagel wakes up, you know, maybe maybe, uh, maybe he's going to be a solid option for them. Um, but 
the the reason why Florida is further ahead of them in the standings is because they score a lot. Um, I think Brett, you told me, was it seventeen times this year they've scored at least six goals in a game? Like, yeah, something what like is that? that? What, yeah. Actually, what is that? Like, that's that's crazy. And um, one of the reasons for uh, Florida's success um, from the offensive standpoint is a guy by the name of Sam Reinhart, third in uh, the team scoring race with uh, 28 goals, 76 points in 72 games, plus 26 rating, 174 shots, only averaging 1739. That's uh, lower than Huberto's 1920 per game, and uh, Huberto has 108 points. He's a top 10 scorer in the league. You also have Alex Barkov, who's averaging 20 minutes per game, He's only played in 62 games, so 10 fewer games than Reinhardt, and he's got six more points than Sam Reinhardt, and uh, he's also committed to the Panthers long-term, so no reason to worry there. Uh, The reason I talked about Sam Reinhardt as the player that everyone should watch is because I was curious how Florida was going to utilize him, if they were going to utilize him down the middle or on the wing. I was curious who his line mates were going to be, and if that was going to translate, because you have offensive weapons like Carter Verhage, who has yep. 53 points in four games. Guys like Anthony Duclair with 31 goals and 55 points in 67 games. And he's averaging 15.05 per game. And then, of course, uh, the Sam Bennett effect, like you mentioned, Brett, 27 goals, 46 points in 65 games. 224 shots on Sam Bennett's repertoire. You also have a young rookie in Anton Lundell that's impressed. Mason Marchman, who has... 42 points in 50 games and he gets averaged under 14 minutes per game and only taken 110 shots and they also have Uyghur and Ekblad on the blue line and both of them have been freaking amazing for them uh and Brandon Montour low-key has 34 points too so like I said loaded with offensive weapons to the point where the depth guys are looking like at worst average NHLers so um I think a lot of that has led to a very productive season for Sam Reinhardt. And that's why I said it was, uh, it was key to watch there for Florida. But they, they have exceeded expectations for me. I, I knew last year wasn't a fluke, but they've just elevated their game to new heights. And it'll be yep. interesting to see uh, how they will keep it up in the playoffs. They're more than just a solid two seed. They're the number one seed right now, and they're ahead of Toronto by a fair bit. But I didn't pick Toronto to be... In the third seed, I picked your Bruins, which, uh, Brett, at the time, you didn't really agree with me there. Right. Uh, and for for the reason of David Krejci and uh, and and the, the veteran leadership uh, that is no longer there and Tuka Rask being out for the first few months, I guess uh, fans have every reason to kind of have doubts about uh, the Boston Bruins. But the reason I thought the Bruins weren't going to miss a beat is because they had two capable goaltenders that could carry the load. And yep. spoiler alert, they have you done right. so. Yep. One is Allmark with 23 wins and a 9-12 save percentage. Jeremy Swayman with 21 wins of his own. He has a 9-17 save percentage. And also a lower GAA than Olmark, and also three shutouts. Olmark has uh, zero shutouts on the year, by the way, in the 38 games uh, that he's played. Uh, another thing that I did say in my predictions, separation between third and fourth in this division is going to be super tight. And at the time of this recording, I believe in that part of the prediction, I am correct because uh, Tampa 
after 75 games, has 100 points. Boston has 97. Yep. So that is correct. within the next couple of weeks, um, either of those teams uh, could flip-flop positions, and that could uh, dramatically change who they face in the first round. At the moment, the fourth seed in the Atlantic is going to get the division winner in the Metro, which uh, at the moment is either Carolina or the Rangers, and uh, that would be a tough matchup uh, for either Tampa or Boston to yep. go up against. So. Uh, there's there's a lot at stake, like you said. Uh, the the playoff spots in the East have been set, but the seedings haven't been, and that's where the intrigue lies. Yeah, I was about to say it's like you do have Boston in the third, right? And right now, Boston's in fourth in the Atlantic, but it it could it's it's definitely possible that Boston could get that th- third spot. Um, and hey, they possible. could finish in second if the Leafs collapse. I mean, yep. they are the Leafs after it all. Is the Leafs, that's you, true. You, you never know. Uh, you all, and speaking of the Leafs, you had them as, as their wild card as well. Yeah, because uh, Marner and Matthews are still Marner and Matthews, and uh, they're they're even playing better than I thought they could. Like the yep. kind of season that Austin Matthews is having is it's absolutely absurd. And Mitch Marner is low key a pretty good uh, a pretty good goal scorer, not just a playmaker. People talk about his ability to dish the puck and he has 60 assists in 67 games he also has 34 goals and he's also taken 205 shots so he's not afraid to shoot the puck and he actually has five game winners on the season six power play goals too uh, not the only guy uh that that can rip uh, the shot there nylander also having uh 31 goals there to with 26 and because Tavares and matthews are centers one of them's playing on the second line. Tavares is still putting up uh, good numbers when you consider the amount of ice time that he's been getting compared to Matthews. Matthews has been averaging 20-33 per game, but Tavares has only averaged 18.05, and he's still put up relatively John Tavares-like numbers. And, of course, you have the likes of Michael Bunting carrying the load, Alex Kerfoot in depth roles, and uh, Morgan Riley being a stone on the blue line. Pierre Engvall with 31 points and 14 goals. I don't know if anyone really saw that coming, but he's been a big bulky presence uh, that can put the puck in the net too. So yeah, Toronto's uh, pretty loaded. So they're, they're another team where I was like, they're definitely a playoff team, but I'm just not sure with the defense and the goaltending, how far they could go in the standings. Uh, but there, there, there was no doubt in my mind that with the amount of offensive weapons that they had, um, they were going to find themselves playing meaningful hockey beyond April. Um, it's just a matter of what they did once they got there. Right, right. Um, okay, so now we go on to the Metro. Um, who do you have? Who are your top three? Well, this is why I don't belong in a casino, Brett, because I really hit yeah. on one of them. And I really swung and whiffed on the other two. Um, I (laughs) thought the Islanders were going to win the division, and I was pretty confident when I said it. And you know what? Bad luck happened. Injuries happened. COVID happened. (laughs) And Simeon Barlamov struggled out of the gate. And you know what? It's at this point where I'm going to say, this is a fluke. The Islanders will be back. And you've seen in the second half signs of what the Islanders could be. I said that while their offense isn't offensively built to win division titles, they have um, a chip on their shoulders. They've got a lot of leadership. They're a well-coached group. And they also have some goaltending depth to the point where Ilya Sorokin is ready to take that next step. And you know what? In that respect, I was kind of right about Ilya Sorokin. 
Yep. Elias Kogan has really elevated his game to the point where he is the starting goaltender, the undisputed starting goaltender. 25, 16, and 7, 927 save percentage, 2.31 goals against average, and seven, seven bagels on his resume. He is ready to take the reins full time next year. That part of the equation about the Islanders being first, it would also have to hinder on. Uh, it would also have to hinge on Simeon Barlamov being as good as Sorokin. Unfortunately, in terms of overall record, that hasn't happened. He's been a hard luck loser. Nine fifteen and two. However, he has a two point eight six GAA and a nine fourteen save percentage. Both of those stats out of the gate were significantly worse than where they are now. So he has bounced back a fair bit. Unfortunately, too little, too late. Uh, so I got the Islanders wrong there. The one team that I got dead wrong was the supposedly good enough to be a second seed, Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> That's they're even wrong. more funny than, than the Isles. Like even, I don't think they're even second to last. I think they're dead yeah. last in their division. They might be. Because yeah. they're that yeah. bad. And if they're not, yeah. it's because the Devils have just have been that horrible in the second half. Yeah, they are in dead last. But they're close yeah. to the Devils. Like uh, The Flyers <laughs> have 57. Least, at least they're close to the Devils. Yeah. I said... They should be a strong number two squad that would push yeah. for a divisional title much better than last year. And I also said they have no excuses. Yes, that part is true. <laughs> that, they that have part no is one true. to blame You're right. themselves. Yep. And, and, the t- and the guys that assemble this roster also have no one to blame yep. but themselves. Uh, this year has been an absolute disaster. You know who hasn't been a disaster, Brett? The New York Rangers, who I thought would finish third, and uh, they're looking like yep. they could contend you for the division title. And unlike uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, they've gotten a plus plus goaltending. And not to say Carter Hart hasn't uh, been good; he's tried his best. But I mean, in front of that defense, you can't really do so much. But Igor Shizurkin, man, Shizurking, yep, he's making a solid case for the Vesna and the Hart Trophy with the way he's been playing. Thirty-five wins. 935 save percentage. The Rangers have had to rely on some one-goal contests. They've had to rely on Shazurkin to bail them out of some sticky situations, and more often than not, he's delivered. Uh, and when you look at Alex Georgiev, 13-9-2 record, yes, but a 2.91 GAA and an 898 save percentage, a night and day difference from Shazurkin's numbers. So that just goes to show you how important Shazurkin has been to this offense. The one thing that I didn't predict out of the New York Rangers, while I did say they would improve under Gallant, and they have young pieces that have more experience now with veterans that are ready to roll, the one thing I didn't predict is Chris frickin' Kreider getting a 50-goal season and nearing 30 goals on the power play. Like, that... That would have been the ultimate prediction if I had made that, but uh, I'll be shocked if if any hockey fan made that prediction. And if anyone claims they did, I want audio proof where it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, in, in, in many cases, the Rangers have surprised, but as a team, they haven't. Um, I, I liked what they did in the offseason. I like the vision that Gallant brings, and I think they had a lot of pieces in place to make this happen. And uh, at, at the end of this year, like I said, they could be division champs if they if they uh, have a good final two weeks and uh, 
Carolina also doesn't have Freddie Anderson uh, for the next week, so that could be their big break, too, to kind of separate themselves from the field. Um, I did say first from fourth in this division at the same time would be separated by eight or nine points. And to my uh, to an extent in the standings for the Metro division, while I didn't get uh, the teams correct, um, I was sort of correct about uh, how things uh, kind of played out. The Hurricanes and Rangers at the time I were recording this. Both have 104 points and both have played in 76 games. Yep. So that's uh, six more games to go for both teams. The Hurricanes have 48 wins. The Rangers have tw- uh, 49 wins. Uh, Pittsburgh is a fair bit below them, but they have 97 points in 77 games. They haven't secured third because Washington all of a sudden is starting to get hot and they're knocking on the doorstep three points behind with 94 points, 42 wins uh, in 75 games. Uh, so yeah, for for the most part, it has been a tight race in the Metro. Uh, did you have Carolina? Did you say that Carolina you have as the wild card team? See, this is where I also kind of whiffed because I thought Carolina was good enough to become a playoff team or remain a playoff team. Um, I didn't really get a lot of their moves in the off season, and to my recollection, Brett, neither did you. Nope. Yeah, we'll get um, into you, had them ranked, you had them ranked higher up uh, the food chain than I did. I thought they would be good enough to be a wild card team, but I thought they would really feel the loss of Dougie Hamilton and getting rid of Morazic and Nadelkovich would be a tough blow. And uh, Morazic and Nadelkovich have put uh, not even average numbers this yep. year, while uh, Freddie Anderson is a Vezina candidate. Yep. So. Yes, what the heck do I know? Yeah, yeah. You, you, as long as you have a good coaching system and the right players, you can be as good as you want to be. And uh, yep. Carolina has pleasantly surprised me. Uh, that this might be the best season they've ever had. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, it, it, I guess it's. It, it is true that now that you think of it and you put it that way, like Nadelkovich and uh, yeah, Mirazik have both haven't been that good. And we thought, like, that was going to be a big loss for them. And even, like, James Reimer, I guess he's been decent in San Jose, but who would have thought of those three goaltenders that James Reimer would have the better season of the three of them? And remember so, Jonathan Bernie, who they yeah. had for a hot minute, and right, then right. Uh, ended up going to New Jersey? He's yeah. had an injury plague season. Right, right, right. Uh, Bernie is another one. The Devils one, have yeah. used, what, seven goalies? So yeah, yeah. So, they even got that right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, uh, we'll do team this teams to watch after I talk about the Metro division here. Um, so <laughs> I like you, I had the Islanders um, in first place. Um, and I, w- I even said that Sorokin should take another step up. You already went through his stats. So I, I want credit that I actually publicly mentioned that Sorokin is going to be that guy. Yep. And he was yep, that he guy. Um, unfortunately, I also said that this will help Farlamov. And it did not help Varlamov, so um, yeah, I guess that's not true. Um, the injuries uh, to Ryan Pulak also didn't help yeah, anybody. On that's the a Islanders. fair point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I also said that uh, the Islanders will get Anders Lee back. I thought that he would make some noise. He actually is And then having, they lost him again, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they lost him again. He's actually not having a terrible season. He has 26 goals in 69 games. And uh, 43 points. Um, so that's not terrible. I mean, of course, uh, like it's not like Austin Matthews level, but it's it's still decent, at least. Like I, I, I think like a good 
ledger is like you know if you can reach the 30 goal points so i could see that he he gets there maybe um and then i also said that wallstrom will take uh should improve and take another step and he did not uh so i was wrong about that i i, I still believe in wallstrom but i i think i take it more on that uh barry trotz just doesn't like playing the young guys um as often but um but yeah or maybe it's just he's not as good as i think he is um, all right. Uh, Carolina was my second team. I still was questionable about them. Uh, they had a decent goal. Uh, they have a decent goaltending if healthy, I said, which I guess was fair. Cause we were concerned. Like I did feel that, uh, Freddie Anderson was better than Mrazek. Uh, but you know, Anderson has this injury history. So I was concerned about that, but yeah, Freddie Anderson is amazing. And, um, yeah, he, he might end up winning the Vezina if, uh, 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 why am I blanking? Uh, Shesterkin uh, falters even further, um, which I guess is possible because he hasn't been as good as he has been. It feels like we've been jinxing Shesterkin. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, he uh, he's, um, he's really good. Carolina, I mean, has been amazing. I was concerned about uh, Tony D'Angelo and how he was going to affect the team. Turns out I was very wrong about him. 48 points yeah. in 58 games. I think he's injured right now, so uh, so maybe that is, like, he technically is an issue, but for, the like, a different issue than what I thought he would be, uh, like a locker room uh, uh, cancer-type player, but it turns out he's just injured. So, um, so, yeah, and there could be concerns about, like, the Carolina's playoffs hope if Tony D'Angelo isn't ready by then, which I guess he could be. Uh, we'll see. Um, wouldn't that be great if it's, like, Carolina, New York, and Tony D'Angelo, like, <laughs> punches Georgiev, but, like, on the and at an actual game? Um, the fans would probably boom every time he yeah, touched the puck. That'd be funny. By. Yeah. Um, and then I had uh, Pittsburgh um, as the third slot. Um, I... <laughs> it's actually funny, though, because, like, I thought, <laughs> I, I have, you read this blurb, I think, like, you would think that I wasn't very high on them, um, or, like, <laughs> but I say, according to you, Steve, so you wrote this, I feel like maybe, like, you mixed me and you up, because you're usually lower on the Pittsburgh than I am, but I, I said that Pittsburgh has a, subs, a suspect defensive core at times, Crosby and Malkin are still good, Gensel and Kapanen, um, as well, and they might, but they might be in playoff trouble. I think I was referring to the fact that uh, Tristan Jari was a big reason why they lost in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, it was more along yeah. the lines of, and this sour is interpreting, but it's more along the lines of, I think they're a good regular season team, but wait till the playoffs. Right, right. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, so I, of course, was right about Crosby and Malkin because they're always good. Yeah, they're still good. Gensel, I also got correct. He has 78 points in 71 games. Uh, yep. Yeah, we don't talk about Crosby enough. I know that's crazy to say, but 80 points in 64 games, that's insane. Um, yep. But, um, I mean, I guess it makes sense because he's, like, overshot. Like, it's not as good as Matthews and uh, McDavid. But there was a time when, like, Crosby was the original McDavid. So it's uh, there was a time when we were gushing over Sidney Crosby. Um, it was just before Lace Him Up uh, existed. Um, but, like, he's been doing this for 20 years now, it feels. So it's um, it's insane. Um, 
And then, um, yeah, it was uh, happening. Uh, he has 31 points in 75 games. So a little bit disappointing. So I was wrong about that prediction. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I was just surprised about Tristan Jari because um, he's actually been pretty good. He's had a career year uh, this year. He has 919 C percentage and a 2.42 GAA. Um, I guess I could still be right um, and that Pittsburgh could underperform in the playoffs. But um, but now that I've watched them play, I, I, I don't know. I think I could see them um, making it um, making a run um, in the playoffs. We'll see. Um, it, it depends on who they get, honestly. In the, this, and this is the problem with Pittsburgh is they're going to get a tough matchup either way. Yeah. At the rate they're going, they are going to be at best the third seed in the Metro which means they the uh, they are going up against either the Rangers or the Hurricanes uh, with the other team getting home ice advantage in that series. Yep. The worst-case scenario for them is they finish in the wild card and they potentially get Florida in the first round, which is... <laughs> I mean, if you want to if you want to test how good of a goalie Tristan Jerry is, how about a team that averages six goals per game seventeen times? <laughs> that yep. that that'll be a mammoth test right there. And I and I've said for years now, Brett, the regression is coming, but they just they just seem to push it back a, another year. And I I also will like to point out that while for some reason I didn't make them a playoff team, I said Mike Sullivan would be in the running for coach of the year. And I think I might be right about that part of the equation. Yeah, that could I definitely happen. think you'll get a lot of votes for Coach of the Year. Yeah, I don't know if there's an obvious Coach of the Year a Jack Adams candidate this year. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to, maybe if we go on, maybe I'll... I'll Mike, Mike Sullivan on. should be at least a top three candidate for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I really I like that. what he's done. Yeah, yeah I, I'd, be, I'd be for that. Um, okay, Um and then in terms of the wild card, I had the Rangers, which so, just so happened to be my team up to watch, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, yeah. I said here that they showed what they are capable of during the late stages of last year. That's right, because I watched them play <laughs> the season finale against Boston, and I, I thought they were very impressive. Uh, Tom Wilson as well, after that hit they went out and got Sammy Blay and they went out and got uh, Ryan Reeves and a, a bunch of like these oh, Barclay Goudreau um Sammy Blay by the way hasn't played that much this yeah, year cuz he he's been hurt exactly um and then um yeah and then in terms of like my one team to watch I said that they have a lottery pick history uh I was being care- cautious of their time of ice for uh young players their toughness factor had improved as I just mentioned and their off-season trades, um, yeah, I was I was a little bit concerned about that with like trading Pavel Buchnevich. By the way, Buchnevich is having a crazy season this year, and we'll get into that. But um, yeah, I wasn't. Um, well, I was kind of wrong about that though, um, because I had thought that if the Rangers were going to make the playoffs, it's going to be because Alexis Lafreniere is going to take another step, that uh, Capo Caco is going to take another step, okay, Andre Miller. Uh, guys like that, but you don't really like uh, not to take anything away from those guys because Lafreniere. I don't know if you, I, I think I showed you it or I emailed it to you, but Lafreniere had this crazy goal the other night where he was like behind the legs and he uh, he scores, um, which was, it was very nice. Um, uh, and I, I thought like you know maybe Filipito Phil, will take a step forward, uh, but that hasn't actually happened. Um, instead, um, 
this is something that um, if I mentioned that Chris Kreider would have 50 goals um, with like eight games left in the season for uh, the Rangers um, in October, I think you would uh, like personally go to Boston and like shoot me or something. I don't, like you would think I would be crazy or like admit me to an insane asylum. So yeah, just the fact Chris that Kreider, Chris yeah. Kreider, by the way, I mentioned the fact he has 25 power play goals. Yep. In 1842 per game. Yep. Alex Lafreniere has averaged 1354 and yeah. has a power play point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a power play goal. He has a power a play assist, and yeah. that's it. So I, I think that's the thing that I was off about because I think I, when when they put in Jared, Gerard Gallant in the system, I knew he was a good coach. I had assumed that like the reason why the Rangers weren't going another level was because they weren't allowing Lafreniere and Capo to play. And to be fair to Capo, he has been injured for most of the season, so that's not a hole on him. But I think Gerard Gallant is not necessarily a young player coach. Um, and what I, what I mean by that is that he, um, he will play guys that are you know older uh, because he wants to win these games and as he should and he's very good at it so I'm not complaining about that but I had assumed that like usually when someone fires a coach and you have Lafreniere guys like Lafreniere and Capo in this in on your team that means that you're going to get a coach that can help with a young group of those two guys in particular and that didn't happen with Gerard Gallant but of course like I can't really complain or say that I was right um, by this Rangers pick because uh, you know Gerard Gallant is winning games, but just not in the way that I thought he would win. Um, so I was also right that the Rangers were my team to watch. Um, I just was uh, wrong about everything else. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely um, and I guess that. That is a true show of, like, they are the team to watch. Because, um, like, you know, Shesterkin is fun to watch. Adam Fox is fun to watch. Panarin's fun to watch. Even Chris Kreider is fun to watch. Uh, Zabinijad, um, Ryan Strom, Jacob Truba's having a bounce-back season. 37 points in 76 games. So, yeah, I, I, I think the Rangers are, like, a, a team to watch, even in the playoffs. I'm going to double down on <laughs> my team to watch. I think... The Rangers are a fun team to watch, so, um, but uh, but yeah, maybe, but don't expect Lafreniere. Like maybe we should temper our expectations for Lafreniere and Capo. Although it was exciting to see what uh, Lafreniere was able to do, um, that uh, that one goal. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe maybe eventually he'll get more play uh, power play time. Um, it's insane that he's not getting power play time. What's interesting about Lafreniere is that he has 102 hits. Yeah. So, like, at, at least he's going around and getting involved in some way, shape, or form. I remember he got into a fight one time as well, which <laughs> you don't see too many first overall picks willing to drop the gloves like he was. But uh, you, you want to see guys that are engaged that will do whatever they can to help the team win. And Jacob Truba, you mentioned his point holes. He also has 202 hits and 163 blocks. Yeah. So... I would say this is all around one of his better seasons in recent memory, for sure. 
Um, and you look at also the trade deadline acquisitions. They uh, Some of those guys have also uh, panned out. Frank Vitrano, for example, seven goals, 11 points in the 16 games that he's played since the trade out of Florida. Andrew Kopp has 13 points, five goals in 13 games. Pretty good numbers there. Yep. Um, and you look at a guy like Justin Braun, who has two points in six games. He's not really played much in those games, 15.06 per game, which is low for defense. But, I mean, you're looking for guys um, that are willing to get involved in, in whatever way they can whenever they get a chance to play. And I, I just like to see the buy-in from this group. And, and this, group, this is a group that is really bought into what Gallant is preaching, and a lot of it has to do with the successes of Igor Shashurkin, I will say. Yep. But that doesn't disguise the fact that the Rangers all around, I still think, are a pretty good hockey team, and they're an improving hockey team. And the growth from those young players, it's going to happen at some point. But Gerard Gallant is running with the guys that are getting results right now. And how would, how would you give a guy like Lafreniere, who is going to improve, I'm sure, as a very young player... But why would you give a guy that's only got a power play point on the season power play one time over a guy that's got 50 goals on the year? Yeah, like, you can't. When you need goals, you go with the guys that are providing. You ride and, with the hot hand. And that's yeah. all that the veterans have done. The veterans have really stepped up for this hockey club. Yeah, so I'm looking here. The power play, the first power play unit is Chris Kreider, Ryan Strom, Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, and Adam Fox. I guess you could maybe make a case that uh, Frank Lafreniere could be in place of Ryan Strom there, but um, at the same time, Ryan Strom is also pretty good in his own right too, so maybe that way. Uh, according to Daily Faceoff, Lafreniere is not even on power play two, <laughs> uh, which is crazy, but um, uh, it's Andrew Kopp, Heedle, uh, Kako, Vetrano, and Jacob Truba. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's just like, yeah, it's, it's insane that, like, he's not even on a power play unit. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess you could make a case that maybe he should be in place for Ryan Strom, but I, I feel like I'm just um, – I'm not I'm making a case just for the hell of it. Um, so, yeah, uh, we, uh, we have uh, – your team uh, to watch was also in the Metro – do you want to talk about this? <laughs> I, I don't think you do. <laughs> well, I was right. They were a team to watch. I don't yeah. know if they're a team to watch anymore. Right, right, right. Given how their season has gone. But, uh, man, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers did not disappoint in this regard. Uh, they spent all that money in the offseason for somehow bigger disappointments. This season. I will say, though, Cam Atkinson has not been a disappointment. He's led the team in scoring with 50 points in 73 games. Do not regret drafting him on my fantasy team at all. Uh, also with 215 shots. So he's, he's, he's carried the load. I'll, I'll give him that. He's, he's been able to produce. Travis Konechny underperformed in my eyes. 47 points in 73 games. Also a minus 19. Um not one of his better seasons and you kind of get the sense that when the off season does begin, if the flyers are thinking of making changes to not overhaul this roster, but at least retool it and in aggressive style and, and invest money into guys, they think that can get the job done. If they do go down that route, they're going to need to create some cap space. 
And Konechny could be one of those contracts that they move out to make that happen. Uh, Joel Farabee, given the season that uh, he had previously, 17 goals and 34 points in 57 games might seem like a downgrade. Um, it's not as bad of a season for Joel Farabee as people think. It definitely didn't start off well, but I think it's uh, starting to get better. James Van Riemsdyk, oh, that cap hit is rough. It, it, it's soured quick. Yep. Uh, 20 goals, mind you, but that minus 34 rating. Oh, that that is that is not appetizing whatsoever. Uh, Kevin Hayes, 29 points in 42 games. I mean, given everything that he's gone through, I think that's as good as year as, as you could have asked. It's been a rough time for he, Kevin he's, Hayes. So uh, to the credit of Kevin Hayes, he has, I th- he's been like, whenever I see my score tracker, it seems like he's always scoring now. So yeah. it, he's figured yeah, no. something out. Kevin Hayes has definitely been one of the bright spots. The numbers yeah. might not show it, but uh, I would yeah. call this a, a good year for Kevin Hayes under the circumstances. Yep. Good year is not what I would describe for Ivan Provorov offensively. 26 points in 73 games, also a minus 20. Um, and and there have also been a couple of campaigns that have been riddled with injuries, such as Sean Couturier. Ryan Ellis is another big name. Rasmus Ristolainen hasn't been riddled by injuries. Uh, I will say only a minus 9 with the Flyers. That's, that's promising. But... Um, yeah, there there have been there have been some plays where he's yep. gotten exposed big time, and uh, the Flyers were expecting bigger things after he left Buffalo, and uh, those big things necessarily haven't materialized. Uh, so it's it's been an up and down year for him, and just from a coaching standpoint, I don't know where the heck you go with this team. Um, Vigneault quickly turned out to not be the answer after a relatively decent start uh, within the first eight to 10 games. Uh, Mike Yo isn't the answer for me either. Um, so do they get a coach like we've mentioned countless times in different situations where John Tortorella's next landing spot could be? Maybe it's Philadelphia. Um, but they, they need someone to turn around the ship pretty fast. And I the, the thing that concerned me the most um, was the ownership and management and whether or not they were investing the right amount of money into the right players on this team. And again, when we talked about the Flyers changes, this is another reason why I was right to say they were a team to watch. We've talked about the Flyers in depth at least how many times, Brett? Like two, uh, two times at least, maybe three or four times throughout the course of the year. They haven't been a team to write home about. And the one thing that really caught my eye was, again, in the management meeting, when all of the changes, all the trades were happening, um, when the injuries to Couturier and Ellis happened and it became clear they probably weren't going to come back this year. And ownership was saying, we have confidence in Chuck Fletcher to get the job done and and, and we're going to spend money aggressively to try and right the ship. And we're confident that he can make the right decisions. He spent a lot of money to create this team only to have it epically flop in front of our eyes over the course of four to five months. And you're going to give him more money to try and do it all again. Yeah. Um, Unlike uh, the New York Rangers, uh, I think things are going to get worse for Philly before they get better. 
And uh, this this offseason is going to be very interesting because I don't think the juicy headlines are going to stop. So, to, to be fair to you, first off, you did mention that you didn't know, you're not sure where they finished, so you were right on that. They are the true one team to watch because you didn't know if they were going to be, like, one of the yeah, better teams. I, I picked them know. as a solid number two. I thought that's what they but, were going to be, but I, I also yeah. said I wouldn't be shocked if they missed the playoffs. Right, right. And also, to be fair to you, uh, you didn't expect that uh, Ryan Ellis would only play four games and Couturier yep. to miss half of the year. So yep, you can't expect injuries. Yeah. You can't predict injuries. So and I, I think I think the Couturier and Ryan Ellis injuries uh, affected them a lot more than uh, you realize. Yeah. But uh, so yeah. I'll, I'll I'll take that as a wash just because it's like injury. Like that's that's kind of a big deal because Couturier is your their best player. Uh, so I can understand like maybe. They would win a couple more, few more games. Um, maybe not. But, make but the even playoffs, then, but, yeah. even if they have those guys yeah. there at relatively full strength and yeah, they're producing to the to the highest extent, how good of a team is Philadelphia? Are they like the Islanders, like hovering on the cusp of a playoff yeah. spot, but not good enough to really cut it? Like, uh, yeah, I so, guess that's a fair so point. Like a Pittsburgh or Washington, like I don't know how significantly better they would be with those two guys healthy. Yeah, that's a good, fair point. I mean, both of them would definitely help them win a few more games. But, yeah, I don't know if they would necessarily be better than, like, say, Washington or something. But, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, that, that's I was, I was actually joking with my uh, with uh, one of my colleagues, actually. And they were facing Washington, and they were losing 7-1. to one. Yep. And, and, my, and my buddy joked, he's just like, oh, there's like six or seven minutes left in the game. The Flyers can, yep. I don't know, score six goals or whatever and tie the game. I'm just like, they're probably more likely to give up one goal. before. Yep. Uh, they're likely to give up another goal before the game ends. And they gave up two before it ended. Yeah, yeah. And lost 9-2. to two. Uh, speaking of Washington, uh, we did that, that was the only team that we didn't mention and we were dead wrong on. Um, I, I said that they would miss the cut, but I didn't go, it says here I didn't go full in depth like we did it with Philly. I was concerned about uh, Carter Hart's bad season with the addition of Risto and Jones, so I was partially right on that because Martin Jones and mm-hmm. Ristolainen haven't been good. Um, and I, I predict that the coach and the GM leave if they miss. I am right about the coach. I think I'm probably going to be right about the GM, but uh, I think Fletcher's probably going to be gone. So it's still, in, still in early. A, in a normal world, yep. I think you would be right to say that the GM is going to be gone. Yep. I don't think that anymore the way the ownership is talking. Yep. I, I, I think the ownership is dead serious. They're going to commit to Chuck Fletcher, and they're going to really regret in a couple of years when they realize we probably shouldn't have done that. Yep. Uh, so, I, I don't. I don't think his way is the way they should be following. Put it that way. So you had a bold prediction that uh, Mike Sullivan was going to get Coach of the Year, uh, and then before yep. we go off uh, to the next division, um, I had the bold prediction that the Devils might be in contention for a wild card spot, and um, <laughs> I was not right on that. Um, and if it I, ended in yeah. the first half, you'd you'd probably be. Closer yeah. to correct, yeah. And then the second half happened, and yeah. they fell off. And then they became the proverbial eighteen wheeler that fell off. But much like the Flyers, I, like they had a lot of key injuries too. Like uh, Dougie Hamilton missed most of the season. Blackwoods missed most of the season. Um, there's been a couple of other guys. Miles Wood, I know he's he's more of a depth guy, but 
that's a huge loss for them. And um, but yeah, I, I did like I was also partially right though that like Nico Heischer is having a great year. We talked about Jack Hughes last week. Uh, he had a big year before he uh, he got injured for the rest of the season. Um, and then uh, Jesper Bratt. Um, there's a bunch of guys that you know they they have a couple of guys that are going for them. Uh, Dawson Mercer is one of them. Um, so uh, yeah, they they've they've looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's just it was a too little, too late kind of thing. Um, and yeah, we did, we didn't really talk about Washington, but they they are in the playoffs. We were wrong on that. I I I thought that like Kuznetsov to be to Kuznetsov's credit, he's been doing pretty well um, lately. So I, I think that was something that I misplaced um, for sure. Um, and okay, so now we go to the central, um, and it's my turn again. Um, yeah. So uh, I had Colorado, Winnipeg, and Minnesota. Um, I was right about Col. I was yeah. I was well. Right now it's Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota, um, and then we have Dallas, Nashville, and Winnipeg fighting for uh, the wild card spot. Um, so and it, like the West is a little bit more wide open, but currently it's Dallas and Nashville as the wild card spots. Um, so yeah, I said that Colorado is still the cream of the crop. I also said I agreed with most of what Steve said, uh, and I'm now looking at what you said. You did have goalie injury concerns, but you said that they look at all their weapons, McKinnon, uh, Rantanen, uh, Burakovsky, I guess it's another one, Landeskog, um, all those guys. I don't think I mentioned Nazem Kadri. Um, they also have like uh, secondary scoring, and they didn't lose too much. Last off season, they also have Kamal Carr. Um, but yeah, I didn't expect Nazem Kadri to have this quite a good year this year. I, 83 points in 65 games. Um, like There was a point when like uh, McKinnon missed a couple of games, and I thought that maybe, like you know, uh, so Kadri did um, step up when uh, McKinnon was gone, and I had assumed that like once McKinnon was back and healthy then Kadri would just go back to his regular pace but that did not happen he's still very very good um so I did not expect that to happen and so kudos to Nazem Kadri for figuring stuff out um I also said that uh I felt that I you put here Steve that you I said Kemper over Grubauer question mark um, yeah, I guess I was pretty high on Kemper. I don't know if I necessarily said Grubauer, like, uh, like I was low on Grubauer, but I did, do know that, uh, Kemper, when healthy, he is very good. Um, he's been decent this year. He has a 925 save percentage and a 2.41 GAA, um, and he's 36, 9, and 3, so yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> that's definitely better than Philip Grubauer. Um, so I was right on that, um, and yeah, they're the cream of the crop, and they were also my Stanley Cup pick, and, but we'll get to that. Um, Win- uh, so then I had I picked Winnipeg, uh, that has a maligned defense. They te- the team looked good in the Edmonton series. All right, I forgot about that. Um, Ellers was solid, a top tier forward group. Um, yeah, the, the Winnipeg Jets are. They are a good team. It's weird, though, because they've kind of slipped. I, I guess 
I didn't expect their coach to be fired um, in the middle of the year or uh, Paul he Maurice. Well, he didn't yeah, get fired. He, he resigned. All right, exactly. He stepped down. Um, but uh, so, so maybe that's part of it um, and why they aren't doing as good as we thought they would be. Um, but I guess there, there is still a chance that they could make the playoffs, but it seems like it's a long shot from now. Um, but yeah, so I, I was wrong on Winnipeg. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there, like you do see like, oh, Kyle Connor, 87 points in 73 games, 43 goals. Um, that's, I think that's pretty good. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, it's nice to see that he's had a bounce back year, uh, 56 points in 75 games. Mark Scheifele, of course, is always good, 70 points in 60 games, uh, 67 games. Um, but yeah, they, like they still have, like they're, their forward groups are still performing. I guess, like, when I'm looking at their numbers, like, Blake Wheeler and Ellers are having a bit more of a d- disappointing year. 51 points in 56 games for Ellers, which I guess on, like, you know, that, that is that is decent, but um, it's a little bit disappointing considering what he, the season that he had last year. Blake Wheeler has 55 points in 59 games. Um, it's not bad, of course, but... Uh, yeah, similar kind of sentiment compared to everyone else. So, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess they just haven't been as good. Um, and yeah, Connor Hellebuck has a 909 save percentage and a 3.03 GAA. Uh, so maybe it's just like he's been holding um, Winnipeg's, you know, he's been putting Winnipeg on his back for too long. And, uh, and yeah, he just he's fallen over and that's what happens to, even carrying to add, a to, add to, to your uh, point about Hellebuck he's 27 yep. 27 and 10 with 2091 shots against if yep. you're wondering is that first in the league for most shots faced you are correct he is first again yeah the only other guy with 2000 shots faced is UC Saros yep I did mention that they had a malign defense so maybe that's part of it I, I guess I should yeah. have seen it coming because I did write that down um, uh, so then I, uh, then my third team is Minnesota. Uh, they, I, cause I, I remember last, you know, when they were in that, the bubble thing, they played the California teams. So they didn't have those three teams to throttle. Um, and <laughs> I guess those are my words. Uh, yeah. and they, uh, they, I wouldn't be shocked if they, uh, fall to a wild card spot. But, uh, yeah, I was concerned about their center spot, and I thought that uh, Marco Rossi would fill them. Um, Rossi yeah. is one guy that could potentially fill them. Yeah, but, like, and I, I could still be right on that, but what ended up happening is Ryan Hartman filled that role, um, and he's yeah, another Another NHL surprise this year. Yep, exactly. Uh, Ryan Hartman had 59 points in 75 games. Um, and then, yeah, I, uh, also Frederick Gaudreau has been in the mix as, as well as a center, 40 points in 69 games. Um, yeah, and uh, Joel Eriksson, um, yeah, 41 points in 70 games, but uh, that's a little bit less than he, uh, he did last year. Uh, Matt Zuccarello um, has been phenomenal. Um, remember when we were, like, making fun of his contract when he signed that? Um, that, that crazy deal. And it's still, it's still I, a little bit expensive. I was, but, yeah. I was making more fun of Paul Fenton's lizard quotes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they but, signed him. Yeah, it was crazy. More than the contract itself. 
But uh, but yeah, oh, well, yeah. The, the the contract that was signed was like, yeah, I don't know yeah, about it, that. It's still it's still a bit much, but uh, anyways, uh, Zuccarello has been very good. Seventy four points in sixty seven games. Kevin Fiala. I feel like Kevin Fiala is now like taking the mantle as one of the more underrated guys in the league. Um, seventy three points in seventy five games. Uh, that's low key pretty good. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that's just a guy to watch out for. Um, and, and of course, Kapril, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, yeah, he didn't, um, I was dead wrong on that. I, I thought that, uh, Minnesota, uh, would miss, like, playing against California and Arizona, um, but, and they probably still do, but, uh, Kirill Kaprizov is good against all teams, who knew? Uh, he has 93 points in 74 games, um, yeah, that, that's pretty good, um, I was wrong on that front, um. And then I had uh, two wild card teams. Um, this is this is going to be kind of crazy, and you're going to laugh at this. I knew it was too crazy when I even said it, but um, I had Chicago as my first wild card team. Um, I thought that they should benefit from the Mark Andre uh, Flurry deal, um, and they missed the 2021 playoffs with Lincoln in as their goalie. So I thought like that would be a um, the difference. Um, I also thought that Seth Jones could help improve it, even though I was critical of that contract that he signed. But I, I thought, like, okay, maybe there is still enough left with uh, Taze and Kane. But uh, but yeah, I was I was wrong on that front. Um, yeah, Chicago. I think they're eliminated. Yeah, they're eliminated. So I was still wrong on Chicago. Um, and then I had Dallas as the other wildcard spot. Um, I could still be right on it, but uh, I said that Dallas has names like Robertson and Hintz leading the youth movement. Uh, Sagan and Radulov should be healthy again. Lots of goalies. Bishop, question mark? Uh, so yeah, it's definitely wrong on Bishop. I thought there's a chance that we could see the return of him being healthy, but it turns out that he retired, and uh, yeah, we don't see him anymore. Uh, same thing happened to Anton Kadobin. Um and I, I had a feeling that Jake Edinger was going to be the guy. I guess I didn't predict that, but Jake Edinger has been a big reason why they've uh, Dallas is um, in wild card contention right now. 27, 13, and 1, 2.49 GAA and a save percentage of 9.15. Um, so yeah, that's pretty good. Um, he, I think I think Dallas is currently playing too. So um, I also had Tyler Sagan as my player to watch, um, and kind of I mean I was I was wrong on that I guess I can say that but uh he has gotten a better lately um I believe um I had um I saw that he had he had a two-point game the other day uh but yeah I guess he's kind of cooled off but I don't know I I I think that he could still I I still believe in him I I think there's there's still stuff in there because it, it takes a while to recover from an injury but uh but yeah maybe I'm just uh going soft on him and we may never see the Tyler Sagan that we were used to um five years ago um yeah it was also wrong uh Jamie Ben's not good either um both Ben and Sagan have 46 points in 75 uh 74 games um and then you have uh Rupe Hintz I was right on Rupe Hintz and Jason Robertson Robertson has 70 points in 67 games Hintz has 64 points in 73 games 
Um, they both have over 30 goals at this point. So yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, the youth movement is here in Dallas. Um, and Joe Pavelski, I, I can't be remiss if I met, don't mention Joe Pavelski when I mention Dallas, because uh, he has 74 points in 75 games in him. I'm, I think that's pretty good. Um, yeah, uh, I, I guess I, I, I still could be right on Dallas, but I didn't expect Nashville to be good. Um, and, um, but I, I did say, I, I have it here that I wouldn't, uh, every team in the division is capable of making the playoffs minus Arizona. And I was right on that. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, I guess except, except for Chicago at this moment, Chicago and Arizona are eliminated, but every other team in the central, uh, could still make the playoffs. I mean, it's great. It's crazy to think, but if Chicago continues to free fall, like, am I crazy to say that Arizona might have a better future than the Hawks do? Like, I mean, I mean it's and, and Chicago's got a lot of interesting prospects, but like, I like what Arizona has done. And yep. part of that is I didn't enter the season, any expectations on those guys. Yep. And they looked God awful in the first half, but in the second half, Andre Turini's visions rubbed off on them, and they've started uh, to play better as a team. So. Would your would your uh, prediction? Would you feel um, more excited about Chicago if they win the Shane Wright's sweepstakes? Um, I would rather Arizona. them not because after all the Kyle Beach stuff, I don't oh, want yeah. them to have any good. No, no, no. <laughs> but but you said you said that you feel like uh, Arizona has a better future than Chicago does. So like let's um, say let's say Chicago gets Shane Wright. Do they? How do they stack up compared I, to Arizona? I don't think getting Shane Wright makes Chicago much better. Um, really? I think what's really going to make Chicago much better is getting good returns for Taves and Kane. Yeah. Again, if they hang on to both of those guys, it'll be a long-term mistake that's going to plague them for years. And not because Kane and Taves are regressing, don't get me wrong, but because of the haul they could get for their future by trading them. Yeah, and I guess that, that's fair. the route they have to go. But, I mean... As tough as it is, that every team goes through it. I, 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 I mean, I think Shane Wright will definitely help their future. But <laughs> Yeah, definitely, but... They need more than just Shane Wright. Yeah, their defense that. proves that. that. That's a fair point. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so now it's your turn to talk about the Central. Well, uh, what Colorado needs is a Stanley Cup. They don't need much of anything else except cap space to sign McKinnon to that long-term deal he wants. Uh, speaking of Nathan McKinnon, uh, not the leading scorer Miko Rantanen is, but it should be noted that uh, Nathan McKinnon's 1.42 points per game. It's ahead of Rantanen's 1.26 points per game. So if he played the same amount of games as Miko Rantanen, not only would uh, McKinnon probably be first on the team in scoring, uh, he's currently trailing Rantanen by seven points, uh, but it should be noted that he's played in 13 fewer games than Rantanen has. Um, I would argue that Nathan McKinnon is gunning for the scoring title if he is playing close to a full season, but... Unfortunately, uh, injuries uh, sidelined him for a little bit, and uh, that got in the way. But uh, even still, another monster season for Nathan McKinnon. And so while he was out, Nazem Kadri was delivering. Uh, Kadri has fallen to third in scoring for Colorado, 
but a career year for him. He has a 1.28 points per game average, which is slightly higher than Miko Rantanen's, so uh, that should be a noteworthy uh, to keep in mind. The, the two big points that I want to talk about for Colorado and their success are two defensemen. Obviously, Kale McCarr with 82 points in 71 games, 26 of them being goals. Um, and he's uh, also uh, done a little bit in the hit parade. I think he's got around 50 hits and I think 80-plus blocks on the year. So he's he's uh, helping out on the defensive side, which is good to see. Um, but how about Devin Tays? Seventh in team scoring with 57 points in 64 games. Uh, one of those where have you been all these years type of years. He's averaged 25-21 per game compared to Kale McCarr. Uh, that's under Kale McCarr's total, but McCarr is at 25-35, so that's only a difference of 14 seconds. That's uh, that's definitely something to keep in mind, and he's been more on the active on the defensive side of the puck as uh, McCarr. Uh, so, yeah, a good all-around season for Devin Taves there. Alex Newick has been a good addition. Uh, Valerie Nuchushkin with 46 points in 56 games. That's definitely helped their cause. Uh, Sam Gerrard isn't putting up uh, the type of numbers that Devon Taves and Kale McCarr have done uh, this year, but uh, 27 points in 60 games, I would call that pretty respectable as well. And even depth guys like uh, Logan O'Connor, uh, 23 points in 75 games. It might not seem like much, but uh, if if you get him uh, more secondary scoring ice time and a bit more time on the power play, I think those numbers uh, could be a lot better. And one of the things that uh, really caught my attention with Colorado is the giveaway-takeaway ratio. And obviously they're a team that plays with speed. Um, Miko Rantanen is first in takeaways with 47, but he also has 47 giveaways. Um I say that because Devin Tate is second with 43 takeaways. He only has 34 giveaways, so that would be a plus nine giveaway takeaway ratio. Uh, takeaway giveaway ratio, rather. Uh, Kale McCars is a plus two. He has 40 takeaways, uh, 38 giveaways. Then you get to Valerie Nachushkin, 37 takeaways, only 20 giveaways. Uh, Logan O'Connor, 36 takeaways, only 15 giveaways. And uh, then you get to the ridiculous where Tyson Jost even though he's not on the team anymore when he was on the team he had 29 takeaways just seven giveaways another guy with a ridiculous uh takeaway giveaway ratio is a guy that only averages 10 20 per game but he's making uh, an impact in whatever way he can that would be former Detroit Red Wing Darren Helm he has 21 takeaways only six giveaways and 102 hits so you got every single player in various ways uh, pulling the rope in the same direction, doing whatever they can to help the team win. And uh, the the Avalanche uh, have probably looked better than uh, a lot of the other years they've had. And they've had some gems um, when it comes to uh, official NHL seasons. When uh, the regular season has ended and you look at their catalog, they've had some impressive runs. But uh, this, this might be their best uh, with the guys like McKinnon and uh, Rantanen and Landis Cobb and, and all those guys with Bednar behind uh, the bench. Yep. St. Louis, I described as a team that could be a number two seed, but probably one of the weakest number two seeds and a team that could slide further down. And I'll be perfectly honest. My opinion of the St. Louis blues in that department has not changed in the slightest. Yep. I still think they're a, a weak number two seed 
and I, I'm not really sure if I can trust them come playoff time. But the one thing that has worked out very, very well for the St. Louis Blues has been their ability to get offense from a lot of different places. Uh, some of those guys uh, stepping up would be Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. Cairo has 67 points. He's fourth on the team in scoring. Thomas has 73 points. Good for second on the team in scoring. And you mentioned Pavel Buchnevich. He's third in team scoring with uh, 69 points. The guy who's first has uh, been battling injuries in the past. We weren't really sure if he was going to be on the team this year because he supposedly wanted out of the organization. But here, Vladimir Tarasenko right. is first on the team in scoring with 76 points in his own right. Braden Shen started off slow, but he started to pick it up, which is good. Uh, same with David Perron, same with Ryan O'Reilly. He's starting to pick his game up again. Brandon Saad's been a good depth piece for them. And another time in the rough five in Barbashev with uh, the best season he's had in his career, 56 points in 75 games. And uh, you even have uh, Krug and Falk getting 40-plus uh, points on the blue line. You like to see that. Colton Pareko also has 34 points. The one part where I was really dead wrong about the St. Louis Blues is that Bennington was going to bounce back. Yep. Um, that hasn't happened in the slightest. The good news is for the St. Louis Blues, who has stepped up, has been someone named Billy Husso. Billy Husso has a 24-6-5 record, 9-23 save percentage. Bennington has a GAA of 3.14, which is .70 higher then Huso's GAA, a 903 save percentage, so at least his save percentage is 900, with the same amount of shutouts as Huso, which is two, and his record's only 16, 13, and four. Without that offense, you could argue uh, the record would be hovering below 500, at least. Um, so that definitely hasn't helped their cause. Minnesota, I said they were going to be a third seed, and that was before they got Marc-Andre Fleury. And it's largely because... I thought Kaprizov was going to continue leading the charge. Spoiler alert, he has. Uh, last year wasn't a fluke. Spoiler alert, it hasn't been. And the team has improved. Fiala has improved. We mentioned Ryan Hartman's season. He's improved. Matt Zuccarello having a bounce back year, um, comparatively speaking to some of the seasons that he's had with the Rangers, this ranks up as one of his best. Uh, even some of the depth guys they brought in the trade deadline in various ways. Nick Delorier has contributed. You like to see that as well. Overall, I like Minnesota as a team. I think they're trending in the right direction. And um, come playoff time, they're, they could be a team that uh, is going to make life very, very miserable and uh, could probably uh, dampen someone's parade. Uh, Joel yep. Erickson uh, has, has, has had a pretty decent season he's fifth in team scoring with 41 points in 70 games um and that's where you you start to wonder beyond the top four scores of minnesota as good as they've been can the other can the rest of the team uh deliver and uh, is the rest of the roster up to snuff well again erickson Eck, as i mentioned only 41 points in 70 games 10 of those goals on the power play though that's definitely something Freddie Goudreau, who prior to this year wasn't necessarily known as an everyday NHLer, he has 40 points in 69 games. That's actually not bad. Marcus Foligno, a guy who's a bottom six grinder typically, 22 goals in 71 games this year. Again, pretty good. 
Matt Boldy, 34 points in only 40 games as a rookie, and he's only taken 94 shots. That's pretty good. Alex Goligoski, plus 43 with 30 points in 67 games, expected to be in around his late 30s and regressing a little bit. He's having one of the better seasons that he's had in recent memory. And then, of course, you have Brodin, uh, Jonas Brodin and Matt Dumbo holding the fort on defense, too. So there's a lot to like about this Minnesota team. And, um, yeah, they uh, they haven't proved me wrong. And uh, I think uh, in the playoffs, uh, that'll show. It's interesting how you got, like, the, the top three correct. I mean, at least as of now, I guess that could change. But, uh, like, but then, like, for each one, you, you did you were wrong on like a little, like a tiny detail for each one. <laughs> so it, it is funny. Like you were correct. I can't remember if I yeah. made these predictions before or after I drafted Jordan Bennington in my fantasy yeah. league. And I'm not sure if that part of it <laughs> might have um, you. Was, was factored into yeah. it. Um, but even, even then, um, yeah. I didn't expect that uh, St. Louis would have this much success. And yeah. It would be Billy Uso leading the way and not Jordan. Uh, right, right, right. There you go. Um, and then you had uh, two teams in the wild card position as well in the central. Yeah, uh, I said not much was going to separate second from fifth at, in this division as well. If you take a look at uh, the NHL standings right now, obviously Colorado's got uh, first place locked up there. They have the conference locked up. The Blues have 102 points. They currently sit second. The Wild have 101 points, so they're knocking on the doorstep with the game in hand on the Blues, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Blues have six games left. The Wild have seven games left. Then you have Dallas and Nashville, who are the fourth and fifth seed uh, in the uh, Central, respectively. Both have 91 points. And uh, the reason I picked uh, two teams uh, in the Central to be in the wild card is simply because um, I thought the Pacific Division was going to be very, very weak. And to an extent, I'm correct, but uh, there have been a couple of surprises in the Pacific, which we'll get to. Uh, my wild cards were Winnipeg and Dallas. Um, they did a lot, I thought, to shore up their blue line with the acquisitions of Nate Schmidt um, and I and Brendan Dillon. And I, I will say that Nate Schmidt has held up his end of the bargain. Hellebuck is a beast. Uh, that is true, but... Um, I think the, all those times of relying solely on Hellebuck to get the job done is catching up to them, so that's the one difference. The top six forwards, uh, at the time I liked, not so much now, if I like him as much. Although I will say, you're right, Pierre-Luc Dubois has been a good year. And I also said Andrew Kopp must deliver. Uh, to an extent he did, um, but for not team. enough to really separate themselves. And uh, Andrew Kopp is now, of course, with the Rangers. I mean, to be uh, fair, you were correct. He did deliver just from an, for another team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and also, just the way the negotiation process was going yeah. in the past couple of off-seasons, I felt this is going to be a Jacob Truba situation where he yeah. just... Um, it's, it's pretty. It's going to be pretty clear that he's not going to sign long term, and their best position is to just trade him. And similar to Truba, they trade him to the Rangers. So right. there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I also said uh, Dallas would bounce back after the COVID outbreak and narrowly missing the playoffs. Um, I said um, the tandem of Heiskanen and Klingberg is going to be one to watch. 
Um, for different reasons, I guess they have been because we're not really sure what's going to happen with Klingberg. And Heiskanen, right. to yeah, an extent, has Klingberg. been pretty decent. Um, the four goalie system was going to be interesting how they uh, were going to work around that. Jake Ettinger has been the guy that's uh, emerged out of that pile and uh, really taken the league by storm to an extent and proven that he's their goalie of the future moving forward. And of course, if you have Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz playing to the best of their abilities, uh, they're going to be in the middle of any dogfight, and uh, they could be good enough to make some noise. And uh, at the very least, um, they're going to put up a fight right to the very end. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but they're they're in the thick of it with a negative two goal differential, six two and two in their last ten. They're they're knocking on the doorstep of a playoff spot, but they haven't secured anything yet, and they could still easily miss the playoffs at this rate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I guess it's still possible for Dallas for sure. Um, all right. Uh, so now you go to the Pacific, yeah, because you go first on the Pacific. Yeah. Um. So um, I'll first uh, close out with my final um thing. All right. Uh, I didn't like Calgary and Vancouver this season, so spoiler alert, they missed the playoff cut line for me. Uh, so if you're wondering where those two teams are, who uh, one of them is in well, the yeah. playoffs and the other a long shot, but they, they're they at could least in the playoff line. Could, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so I didn't have them either of them uh, making the playoffs yeah. in my predictions. Here's who I thought were going to be good enough to cut it. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and their cap situation, unfortunately, has proven to be a bit of a hindrance for them. But they have Jack Eichel, so I guess they're not out of any race, are they? Yep. Um, I, I listed them as a cut above everyone else. I guess in their situation they're in, they are. But um, they're, they're, they're loaded offensively, defensively, on paper, yeah. But uh, <laughs> it doesn't help when they're hurt. Uh, and uh, their biggest concern was Leonard versus Brassois. Well... <laughs> Uh, I, I think they have bigger concerns. Suffice to say, uh, but uh, hey, they still have a chance to make the playoffs, yeah, and I guess that's all I can ask. For. And you predicted but, this before uh, they got Eichel, so so even yeah, more impressive. Yeah, I, I I didn't yeah. I didn't predict that um, Eichel would be on the team, but I just feel like Eichel could have been a guy that uh, they go yeah. out and add. But and, uh, yeah. yeah, and they would be a cut above everyone else. <laughs> yeah, in, in some ways they have been. They yeah. they they make their own path and. Uh, they, they definitely make it yep. uh, nothing like anything we've ever seen. So yep. uh, everything they do is iconic. Yep. Uh, Edmonton didn't improve on its goaltending. I thought that was going to be a problem, and boy, am I right. Yep, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> the, the free agency where, again, you know, I guess Jordan Biddington was available, but so many other goalies were available, like, I don't know, Freddie Anderson, who's turned out to be a breath of fresh air in Carolina. Who knew? And Drew a Bauer. pretty good goalie. In the past with Toronto, who knew? Uh, even Peter Morazic was available. Grubauer um, is another one. Yeah, Grubauer was another one. See, there, yep. there are a lot of uh, interesting names out there that they could have gotten. And they chose to stick with the same two guys. Uh, the defense and forward depth is a major question mark, I said at the beginning of the year. And uh, to an extent, I'm kind of right. Although I will say... Uh, Evan Bouchard, low-key for the Oilers, has been very, very good to the point where he actually has more points than Tyson Berry, who was near the top of uh, the leaderboard in defensive points, even though he didn't get any points for the Norris Trophy, which (laughs) 
it's kind of funny. You you lead all defensemen in points and don't even get a fifth place vote for the Norris Trophy as the major L. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, Evan Bouchard fifth on the team in scoring with 38 points in 75 games. Um, he is ahead of Tyson Berry only by two points. Berry has turned it up. He has 36, but uh, Evan Bouchard is still ahead of him. And he's actually averaged 49 more seconds per game than Tyson Berry, and he's taken 50 more shots than Tyson Berry. Um, so not bad uh, for a new kid on the block uh, over in yep. Edmonton there. Uh, Kaylor Yamamoto is one of those depth forwards. Um, has turned it up as of late, but 35 points in 75 games, that seems a little bit low for him. Um, Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, it'd be interesting to see how they were going to work out. Hyman's done pretty well with 50 points and 24 goals in 70 games. Ryan Nugent Hopkins started off hot, but has kind of cooled off. 47 points in 57 games, though. That's still not bad. And uh, Jesse Pugliarvi also starting off pretty hot. 34 points in 62 games. Kind of cooled off, but even still, um, that that's pretty decent. Um, the guy that I didn't expect they would get was Evander Kane. Um Speaking of interesting headlines, he's won uh, 31 points in 37 games. So long as uh, he keeps his uh, face out of social media headlines, uh, he'll be fine. Um, but uh, <laughs> yep. that hasn't been easy for him in the past. Um, and of course, with McDavid and Trisel, anything is possible. But it could also limit uh, what the Oilers do once they get to the playoffs. Because if you find a way to shut those two guys down, as the Jets have proven in the past... Uh, Edmonton is a very beatable team. But I still thought in this week division they were good to finish second, so I picked them. Yep. And then I drank the Kool-Aid and thought the Seattle Kraken would be a top three team because I thought, A, this division is very, very weak, and Seattle could be the next Vegas, so why not put him <laughs> in third? I did not expect their goaltending to underperform the way that they did. Um, I think they're capable of better, and I think they will be better. But, uh, yeah, this season was not good for Grubauer. It was not good for Chris Trieger either. Um, I liked their defense then. I think moving forward, uh, their defense is all right. Um, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's how they assemble their forwards. Yep. Um, that's, that's, how, um, that's how they're going to get better moving forward. Um, I even <laughs> I even said they might finish second in the division. Good God! <laughs> yeah, this this was a hot take, but um, I I would I would say uh, I I would still say a better hot take than the Flyers finishing yeah, yeah. second. I love how I love how you got like the Central and the Atlantic right more or less, and then um, and then you like super off on the rest. Yeah, misfired on I'm not, the Metro. I'm not meant for the Las Vegas <laughs> casino there, Brett. Yeah. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> or you would do go fifty percent. Not give me yeah. money to spend, please. Yeah, yeah. Or you would go like safety. fifty. Well, at least you got Edmonton in second place, which they currently are. I mean, so. that was kind of easy, though. Yeah, I guess that, that, was. that was kind of easy. Um, speaking of that, and, and to be fair, though, um, it was only like a couple of months ago where it looked like they could be a non-playoff team. Yep, so. yep, yeah, that's true. That, that's that's how unpredictable this division is. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so currently, I don't know if you mentioned this, but currently Calgary, um, is, uh, they've clinched a playoff spot. Uh, they have 101 yep. points in 75 games. They're one of the best teams. Neither one Again, of us. did yeah. not pick them to make the playoffs. Did not even either. As a wild card. If it makes you feel better, I did not either. Um, 
Edmonton is in second. LA Kings, which neither of us predicted as well, they're in third. Uh, Vegas could still uh, make the playoffs, but they have 87 points. Nashville, which is the second wildcard team, has 91 points. And so do the Stars, who have the first wildcard spot. Um, and then you have uh, Vancouver, who has 84 points, and Winnipeg, who has 81 points. So I, I feel like uh, Vancouver and Winnipeg will probably be eliminated within this the next couple days. But maybe Vegas uh, squeaks in. We'll see. Um, all right. So now it's time for my Pacific Divisions uh, predictions here. Uh, so I had Edmonton is... Uh, so I had Edmonton, Vegas, and Vancouver. Um, I, I guess Vancouver is kind of laughable now, but at least I didn't go with uh, Seattle. If they had Boudreaux at the start of the year, yep. maybe. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, Vegas, I didn't... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I also didn't... like. isn't like a huge shock but to have second, but uh, I didn't think that... I didn't... Like, this was before the Eichel trade as well, but... Um, yeah, I don't know how that would have affected things if I had known that. Um, but anyways, so I said for Edmonton, um, Edmonton is one of the NHL's better teams when McDavid and Drysaddle are dictating the pace. Um, I will say that I thought that because Mike Smith had a decent year last year that he could do it again. Of course, why did I expect a 41-year-old to be consistent? Um, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I mean... I, I guess Mike Smith has been better, though, now that I see his stats, 9-11 save percentage and a 2.91 GAA. I mean, that's not great, but it's not terrible. Um, and, yeah, of course, I, I guess my thinking was just that if you have McDavid and Drysaddle, like, the two best players in the game, um, you're not going to lose, you know, you're not going to lose many games. And uh, that, so far that happens, and it doesn't matter, like, who you have, who, who are the other line mates and goalies, but... Um, but yeah, we'll see come playoff time if that matters. To, to add to your point about Edmonton's offense and Mike Smith's numbers, Miko Koskinen is 25-11-4 and four, yeah. with a 902 save percentage worse than Mike Smith and a 3.9 GAA also worse than Mike Smith. Right, right. Um, Edmonton, I, I said that uh, Darnell Nurse might take a step uh, forward. Uh, kind of true, but not really. Uh, Evan Bouchard not, and... Not to the level you thought, eh? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Evan Bouchard and uh, Tyson Berry have been better than Darnell Nurse, just from a points perspective. But, like, even still, 35 points in 69 games isn't terrible, but I wouldn't consider that a step forward from what I expected out of him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, that, that's still not, like, terrible, terrible. Not like he's going to be out of the league next year terrible but uh but yeah maybe not as good as i thought he would be um i'm gonna try to make these as quick or as possible here uh, i said vgk will be neck and neck with the oilers uh one of the most this is funny just reading it back now where it's like what was i thinking um one of the most well-balanced teams on both sides of the puck could improve down the middle um a little did i know that they would get eichel um, and I, I guess like, I just, you know, I, I guess to be fair to both of us, we didn't expect that Mark Stone would be injured for a lot of the year. Uh, yeah, that really, that yeah. really hurt Vegas for sure. Yeah. Patches as well. Robin Leonard took some time off. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think that's a big reason why Vegas took a step back and might miss the playoffs. Uh, cause like if they're going to miss the playoffs, that's going to be a, the, the biggest reason why, um, 
So, so I, I think all this stuff is still kind of true, except for being neck and neck with the Oilers. Um, and then I picked Vancouver. I think I was trying to pick like a wild card, like a, just a wild hot take team. And I figured I picked the Vancouver Canucks. But this is like, like when you wrote this out, I pretty much laughed the entire way where it said, Van bounces back. EP40 will be healthy. Hughes will be good. No more COVID. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no more COVID. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, league, the league got shut down near Christmas because of COVID. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. finished with this yet. Exactly. Um, oh, yeah. Although, to yeah. be fair, Elias Peterson with 60 points in 73 games yeah. has had a great second half. So you're right about that. I it was took right him a that. bit, but he's gotten better. Yeah, it's gotten better, yep. Yeah. Uh, and Quinn Hughes has been good, too. Uh, he, he is good. Uh, 58 points in 69 games. Not bad. Um, and then, um, yeah, and he said OEL and Garland should help on both ends of the ice. Um, I don't think that's true. Uh, let me just look. Yeah, Garland has 43 points in 70 games. That's not good. Um, and I mean, that's okay. Yeah, I, yeah, but it's not like, I don't know. I feel like he he could be better. Um, and he then, also only has two power play points, so most of that has been at even strength, which is impressive with yeah. 183 shots, and he's only averaged 16-13 per game, which it pales in comparison to the likes of JT Miller, who's averaged 20-57, yeah. uh, Elias Pearson, well. who's averaged 18-29, Bo Horvath yeah. at 19-30, uh, and even Besser at 18-35, lower in the point standings. Uh, averages more ice time per game than Connor Garland. So yep. I, I think all things considered, it's been a good year for Connor Garland. Oliver Ekman Larson. Not so much, no. Uh, 25 points. Not, yeah. not an ideal season for him. 25 points in uh, 30, uh, no, sorry, uh, 72 games. Um, so yeah, not not so much on the offensive yeah. side of things, but yeah, for sure. Um, I, I did say no more COVID, um, if you forget, because last year, that was a big reason why Vancouver, uh, yep. like their season was lost because uh, like pretty much their entire team had COVID and EP was injured for most of the season. So uh, that's why I, I wrote no more COVID um, ecstatically. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, I was I was wrong on that. Um, I said here that I heavily dated on taking Seattle as the number three spot in the division because I wanted to be one of the cool hip kids. Um, I'm thankful that I'm turned into a, a nerd and a boring kid. Uh, you turned into an old man. <laughs> yeah. like, ah! <laughs> I'm not a cool kid. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that I, I missed that. But I missed, uh, I, I, well, we both missed Calgary and L.A. Um, even Anna, I mean, I was, Anaheim's one of my favorite teams, um, and I missed on them, and, and they're out of the playoffs, but they were an exciting team to watch. Um and they were in it for a little bit early on in the season. Um, but yeah, LA and uh, Calgary are, are in it. And I think the thing that, like, I guess this will take us down to the next, the question that we have, one big event or player that changed our predictions. Uh, the Calgary Flames, um, they're a pretty good team. I think I, um, yeah, I, I think I, I didn't realize that, or, like, I mean, I think it was always in the back of my mind because it's like Daryl Sutter. When you think of Daryl Sutter, you think of those L.A. Kings teams that won the Stanley Cups. And you would, you know, I think a big reason why, or, like, the Kings fired him because we felt that, like, this is, like, the new NHL and he's just not a good fit 
to be a coach anymore. And then, um, and then all of a sudden Calgary, so then Daryl Sutter comes in, um, you know, after, uh, being the interim coach in the off season, he gets acclimated with the guys. And then all of a sudden Johnny Gaudreau steps up another level. Matthew Kachuk steps up another level. Even like Elias Lindholm steps up another level. Um, Andre, Andrew Mangiopani is uh, doing really well. Noah Hannafin um, is getting into the mix now. It's like, oh, okay. So like Calgary is like scoring now. Um, and, and that's not like what we're used to from a Daryl Sutter team. Um, so it's it's just like, um, it, it feels like, you know, not only is this like a different Cal- Calgary Flames team that we're used to, but it's like, I think we just um, misinterpreted what Daryl Sutter actually does. Like when you think of Daryl Sutter on those Kings team, you think of like just like heavy nose uh, defense and toughness and things like that. And I guess that's still kind of true. Uh, like Milan Lucic is on that team. So, so I, I guess you can see, and you know, Matthew Kachuk is a hard nosed guy as well, but, um, but, and like, uh, as well as like Jakob Mark, Markstrom is having uh, another great season um, or a bounce back season this year. So, um, but yeah, I, I think we, we both just, didn't expect Daryl Sutter to be this good because uh, we just thought that he would be this like old man and um, and like his like old ways weren't going to work anymore and that's not true um, and yeah they're they're one of the more exciting teams in this this season um, but that's definitely something that has changed my perspective over these six months. Yeah, you look at. Uh... By the way, the uh, goals breakdown of the Calgary Flames, Elias Lindholm and Matt Kachuk are tied for first with 39 goals. Yep. Johnny Goudreau with 105 points uh, near the NHL scoring title and uh, similar to Elias Lindholm has a plus minus in the 50s, which (laughs) is so funny considering uh, where his point totals have been the past couple of years. Uh, to the point where I actually uh, traded him away from Mark Stone in my fantasy league. It might have been a mistake for this yep. year. Um, Goudreau has 36 goals, uh, good enough for third on the team. Mangiapane, that hot start, kind of cooled off in the second half, but still 32 goals in 75 games, pretty good. Blake Coleman with 15 goals, Dylan Dubé with 13, Mikhail Backlund with 12. Tyler Toffoli's played in 30 games, and he has 11 goals and 21 points, so he's been good. Milan Lucic has 10 goals. Those players I just named, again, Toffoli only playing in 30 games, are guys on the Calgary Flames with double digits in goal totals. Sean Monaghan is 10th in goal scoring, and he has eight goals. So the fact that they've gotten all this goal scoring without someone like a Sean Monaghan, for example... Is is actually kind of mind blowing when you think about it. Yeah. Um, when when you it's... consider just how offensively challenged uh, they've been in the past couple yep. of years, and and another thing about the Calgary Flames that's also impressed me is yes, Jacob Markstrom's been good, but they've tightened it up defensively. Like yep. Nikita Zadorov's been a pretty good addition for them. Erica Branson has helped out a lot. And you talk about uh, the the guys on uh, the Ford core getting it done. How about Noah Hannafin with yeah. 42 points? How about Rasmus Anderson with 46 points yeah. and a plus 27 too? 
So the the defense have been just as good. Well, maybe not just as good as the Forest because the Forest have been really good. But their defense has played extremely well this year, not just the Fords. And and that's definitely something that can't be underestimated with this team. Yep. They've gotten contributions from everyone. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Sean Monahan, but uh, I guess it's like one of the, I mean, <laughs> I know he's... Does, I yeah, no one does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, he is injured, so maybe that has something to do with it, but... Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's not. just... it's just uh, It is a weird situation, because he used to... Like, yeah, I don't expect him to be like a 100-point player like Johnny Goudreau is, but like at least be like somewhat decent. <laughs> like, I, I don't, it's, it's weird, because, uh, you know, we're used to seeing him being like like an average player or a, a little bit above average. Um, and, um, yeah, he just he just wasn't that this year. Um, I, I will say, while the Flames have been a surprise, yeah. I would argue the Kings have been more surprising yeah, simply Kings because you look at their point totals, Kopitar with 62 points in 77 games, that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's still providing. Adrian Kempe with 49 points is their second leading scorer. 33 of those have been uh, goals, and he's taken 230 shots on the season. Uh, he leads the team in goal scoring, as a matter of fact. The other, uh, the the top three guys on the team with uh, with at least 20 goals uh, for each of them, I mentioned Adrian Kempe. I mentioned Philip Deneau with 24 goals. Yes, Philip Deneau, defensive-minded yeah. Philip Deneau. Victor Arvidsson with 20 goals and 46 points in 62 games. Uh, is uh, third on that list. And you also have the likes of Trevor Moore with 46 points in 77 games. He's taken 196 shots and averaged less than 16 minutes of ice time per game. Their forward core is very interesting to look at. They have a negative four goal differential, and they're in a playoff spot right now. Yeah. So I, I would I would argue that's more shocking than Calgary's success this year. As good as Calgary has been, the fact you look at, at uh, that, uh, you look at Los Angeles offense and you look at their goal differential and you realize, wait, they're a playoff team. Like, there's always that one team where you look at them and you're just thinking, how the heck did they get here? Yep. And and LA seems to be that team this year. Yeah, good point. Um, so we're, we're kind of running out of time here. So I'm going to skip this next question. Um, but I do want to mention that we were wrong. I was wrong on Nashville. Uh, with uh, Matt Duchesne and Roman Yossi, but we talked about them last week, so um, yeah. so that's another team, and we were also wrong about Washington um, as well. But uh, so I do want to get those. That out. hot start by Ovechkin really helped them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so now I, I just want to get to our last question here, our SCF predictions, and I think someone's going to want to change their uh, their predictions, and that person is not me. Um, the, um, the, uh, so I had Colorado versus Toronto, um, and I had Colorado prevailing. I don't think I, 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 it doesn't say here that I had them what, in what games that they had, but I did say Colorado is going to win. Um, yeah, I don't think you gave, uh, I didn't give them in, games, a, in how many but games, but I do know I, I gave, you I gave, gave a prediction yeah, yeah. that Vegas and seven, I think. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh. I, I yeah I'll, I'll still keep Colorado yeah let's just leave Toronto in there I mean I'm, I'm getting kind of cold feet because of course you know Toronto and playoffs uh, don't go well together but 
Um, but yeah, screw it. Let, let, let's stay with uh, Colorado and Toronto as as my two teams here. Um, uh, but I imagine you are going to want to change these predictions. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to give my prediction when the time is right, my new yeah, prediction. But I, I'm going to interpret this as a, if I had to redo my predictions, would I? And yep. I'm, I'm going to stick with my guns on this. Because, and, and we talk about key events. We talk about one big event slash player that changed the outlook of each division. Mark Stone getting hurt for Vegas changed the outlook of the Pacific Division. Do they finish in first because Calgary is still doing well? That remains to be seen. But I don't think Vegas is in the position where they're fighting by the skin of their teeth just yep. to make the playoffs as a wild card. Yep. I think Vegas is definitely on the doorstep of a division title at worst second place in that division if Mark Stone is healthy for at least two-thirds of the season. Mark Stone for the Vegas Golden Knights, hasn't really played much hockey. I know this, again, because I mentioned he's on my fantasy team. I know how many games he has played. And and uh, at the moment, um, Mark Stone is 21st in games played on the Vegas Golden Knights right now. He has 28 points in those 31 games. He is the heart and soul of that team. And you can see it on the ice, how much of a difference he makes for that Vegas team. And while they did have to battle through a lot of injuries and a lot of trials and tribulations this year in various areas, the Mark Stone injury no doubt hurt them the most because I think a guy like Mark Stone affects the entire psyche of that team. And if if you get a healthy 70 to 80% healthy Mark Stone, I definitely think Vegas is a much better hockey club than where they are now. And if they make the playoffs again, they have Mark Stone back. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe they turn things around. Who really knows? The Islanders, the Islanders. I, I'm going to stick with them, even though I knew it was it was kind of a tough call, just based on how good that Metro division is. But again, those um, th- those injuries, that COVID outbreak, uh, really affected them. And that also, that I think it was a 13 game road trip to start the year because their new barn wasn't ready until like. Uh, late November, something like that. Yeah. I think November 20th was their first game in their new building. So um, not getting to play in front of their home fans for that long probably didn't help. They weren't terrible during that road trip, but um, I don't think they really got a, a, a rhythm going, and then they lost Andrews Lee for a bit, and they were without Ryan Pulak for a fair amount of time. And, and since he's come back, they've been better. But just all of that culminating into a string of bad luck really set them back. And they've gotten their game back. And I think if you if you run it back and you put out a healthy Islanders team, they find a way to make the playoffs and they find a way to, to do what they do best. And that's create a lot of headaches uh, for their opponents. And I think also the wear and tear of the previous two playoff runs going to the conference finals playing against a very tough Tampa team. I think the fatigue also took their toll. And that same Islanders team is, is going to be back with a vengeance next year. So um, I don't think I'm going to change my prediction at all. I, I felt very confident at the time with those picks. And I think if, if both teams had better luck, which they didn't, but if they had better luck, we'd be talking about this teams, uh, these two teams a lot differently. 
Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, I will say, though, that the Islanders are eliminated from the playoffs, so you're yeah. going to have to... Every have... single team in the East is clinched. It's all about seedings to yeah. play for now. So, yeah, the Islanders, you're yeah, gonna... it was going to be a long shot even yeah. if they were still in the hunt right now. But, again, to their credit, they were able to pull ahead of the Flyers yeah. and the Jackets, um, yeah. which uh, pulling ahead of the Flyers wasn't that tough to do with the way the Flyers were playing. But, yeah, but, but uh, all that... But, but as, a, as a unit in the second half, they started to get better. And, by the way, one of their best players this year isn't Anders Lee, it's Noah Dobson. Yep. Which is He's a sign good. Which is a sign that they have a lot to be proud of as they go into next year. I remember I talked about uh, Noah Dobson when, I, when we were mentioning the Pulak contract and i was wondering yeah, yeah i wonder what uh dobson leads the team Dobson's in shots on goal this yeah. year with 180 he's been pretty good and 42 yeah. points on the year if i, if he's I been remember good. correctly yeah no no that's also a good point about the like um like i think they were also affected by covid this year too so yeah. that's another thing um and yeah the the whole like arena stuff that has an effect on your mind um, by the way, I, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently Arizona, so this is just a little bit of a sidetrack, but Arizona State, um, so I, I guess, I think we did mention this on the show, but Arizona State's new arena is going to be the new home of the Arizona Coyotes, believe it yeah, or not. Yeah, I think we did mention this in passing, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I, uh, so, but however, in this d- contract, uh, the Arizona State's hockey game are going to take priority because it is their arena over Coyotes games. <laughs> so, so this the means... The college team gets priority yeah, over a big it, league it, organization. It, get, it gets worse oh because th- this means that uh, from the months of, let's see here, October to, like, March, all the Saturday games uh, that the Sun Devils play are going to be at home. Like, our, like, Arizona can't play in those Saturday games. Uh, so they're they're gonna Arizona the Coyotes won't be able to play at home for sa- any of those Saturday games for um, during this whole thing, uh, which is insane when you really think about it. And it's like a huge factor too when you think about like the fact that like you know the families get to come and uh, just like uh, you know you get to see your fans and there's more pl- p- fans in the stands on weekend games and all that stuff. So it's just like hilarious that's like you have a pro team it's like it's an embarrassment at this point for for the nhl like why is this happening um but uh, or how is this allowed to be happening but i think we're gonna like see like arizona like even if they get connor bedard and shane wright um they might still stink a bit more just because of that one factor um yeah and and, and that and, and it's 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 interesting you yeah. mentioned that because it feels like five, six, seven years ago, ten years ago, we were looking at the New York Islanders just like, how do we fix yeah. this nest that's going on here? They need yeah. a new uh, building. Yeah. The ownership is eh, not really sure what to say, not really sure what to say about the product on the ice, if they're good enough to compete every year. Right, right. And and the Islanders have been able to turn it around. To give them full credit with the new ownership, they've turned it around. They've gotten their new barn. They have a vision. They have a plan. They, they can spend uh, the the Islanders have a lot to be hopeful for. The Coyotes, <laughs> all they have is hope. <laughs> That's all they can have right now. Yeah, because everything just hasn't gone their way. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Um. 
Oh yeah, but like, anyways, all of that just I was just mentioning that because you were you were talking about the uh, arena stuff, so that like just reminded me of that that fact. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope yeah. I hope the new I, I hope the Arizona State uh, arena has, has suites at least. What is what, what is funny is like the Arizona State isn't even that good at hockey, so it's like. Hey, they developed Joey Decord. What do you mean? That's true. That's true. Uh, they they do have that, but it's, it's just uh, it is it's just funny because they're like they didn't even make the tournament this year. Um, yeah, they, they've yeah. only been uh, if I remember correctly, yeah. they were a new program when Joey Decord yeah. was there. So give them time. Lace them, them up time. is older than Arizona State. Um, <laughs> yeah, a fact actually. Fact. Though. Yes, you can you can write that down. Um, Okay, that um, about does it here. Um, you can follow us at Lace Up Podcast on Twitter. You, uh, Facebook is Lace Em Up. Um, our, you can listen to us and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. That is, is about it from us. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 317 of the Lace Em Up podcast.